You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join Coach C, a USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete. The goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to Absolute Empowerment. Uh, today, our guest is going to be uh, four-time AAC Baseball Coach of the Year, Cliff Godwin. Uh, Cliff, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on. Coach Connors, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm going to recognize my sponsor here, and then we're going to we're going to roll. Uh, we got Ed Watkins Marine, who has two locations to serve you, as they are located in Denver and Cornelius, North Carolina, in the greater Charlotte area of our state. He has fishing boats, pleasure boats, pontoon boats, center consoles, family-friendly bow riders, trailers, engines, and UTVs. He has all the brands you are seeking, Sea Pro, Suncatcher, Pontoons, Tritoons, Stingray, Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, Vexus Bass Boats, Explore, Skiffs, and more. Whether you're looking for a new boat or repower your existing boat, Ed Watkins can help you with your boating needs. Visit them online at edwatkinsmarine.com. We appreciate Big Ed's support of the show. And he was definitely the most enthusiastic and positive athlete that I've ever coached. Thanks a lot, Big Ed. All right. All right, Coach, coming back to you. Uh, Not here to talk about baseball today, Coach. And uh, uh, basically, uh, I, I will say this. Anytime I lost anything, it was suffering for me. But what I learned here recently and what I've always pretty much known is we bring glory to God and how we handle suffering. So that's all I got to say about that. Uh, my motivation in reaching out to you, you know, when I heard you, and I'm not even sure when this was, but I heard you talking about uh, spiritual value in your life uh, your and your program. And I, I really got fired up uh got excited because over the last five years, this is kind of like what I've been on a mission to do, uh, you know, lose myself to find a kingdom and to try to figure out how God might use me uh, in this latter portion of my existence. So uh, so I really think that, you know, when I heard that, uh, I think that this will strengthen your arsenal to, to take you to the promised land this season. I'm going to tell you right now, I just started going back to football games. I'm going to start coming back to baseball games now. But uh, I'm already thinking about my trip to Omaha. And, uh, you know, I'm just really excited about uh, what you are doing in your program, what is foundational in your program. And, uh, you know, and I, and I get excited every time I hear you talk about it. So I really believe that your team, ECU Athletics, and every athletic program in the country can be uh, impacted and I think has already been impacted by uh, you and, of course, Parker Bird. And what I'm curious about, first of all, is uh, Cliff Godwin growing up. It was a snow hill. That's right. That's right. The big town of Snow Hill. And so, uh, you know, how you uh, basically found your faith growing up and who your influences were. Yeah, it's a it's a long journey, as most uh, journeys are. They're not uh, they don't happen quickly. So, I mean, I grew up in a church. I went to Rainbow United Methodist Church growing up. Um, Both my 
parents Christians, went to church every Sunday, um, brought up in a really Christian home. Um, in middle school, went through confirmation class with a preacher named Ray Broadwell. Man, I was like so in tune with him and just felt like, you know, I was really striving towards, you know, having a better relationship with uh, Jesus Christ. And in the Methodist church, every five years, they have a, a different preacher come to your church. So, which back then I was like, you know, a little bit upset because I love this guy and uh, this guy just, you know, I got it when he preached, if that makes sense. And um, the next guy comes in and, and no offense to him, but I just didn't get it as much. And then I was in high school and as we know, uh, the world pushes you uh, away from church at times when you're an adolescent. And I still went to church every Sunday. But and when I was sitting in church, I was thinking about, uh, all right, I'm going to go eat lunch. My mom's going to cook. And then uh, what kind, what time can I get to the gym and play hoops? Um, that was like the thing I did every Sunday. And then you graduate from high school, you come to college, you do what college kids do normally. Um, come here and you know, I, I chased, uh, I guess, success um, on the field. I chased the wrong things off the field. Um, Some I'm not proud about, but I was I, I was a college kid. I went out a lot. I, um, you know, uh, just did things that I'm not proud of, um, you know, off the field. And then you get into coaching. And the coaching, as Coach Connors, you know this, but you're just you're working your tail off trying to get the next step. And I'm not asking God what uh, what the next step should be. I'm just doing it. And I uh, really was on a fast track as an assistant coach. But um, I would read the Bible some, but really wasn't going to church um, because you got all the excuses in the world when um, you're a coach. You know, like, hey, we play baseball on Sundays in the fall. We normally practice on Sundays. So. It was I was putting other things in, in front of him for sure. Then I get the head coaching job here and I'm status quo fast track. I mean, we're inches away from playing in the College World Series in my second year. And a lot of people don't know this, but I, I'm thankful the ball didn't go up the middle at Texas Tech now. Um, and it took me a couple of years to, to realize that. But you talk about living a legacy somewhere. And if the ball had gone up the middle, I don't know if I'd have had enough maturity to not just run for the money for another job, another opportunity. And we, I would have never even coached my first recruiting class. And, you know, the Spencer Brookhouses, Bryant Packards of the world, Jake Agnos, Trey Benton, really the first recruiting class we put together. If that ball had gone up the middle, I might not have ever coached them. And now to have been here going into my 10th season, I can reflect on that and go, man, I'm glad that ball didn't go up the middle. Um, to fast forward to COVID, um, you know, COVID shut down our season in, in 2020 and a guy named Mike Amen uh, walked in my office uh, about a week after the season uh, was canceled. And I had met Mike, but uh, I knew Mike was the first ever Petey the Pirate here at East Carolina. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, but he comes in and he walks in my office and he didn't even know if we we're going to be in there because, you know, most of the university was shut down, but we would still come in our offices and we were, you know, able to do that. And he comes in and says, Hey, Cliff, I, I just, you've been on my heart and been worried about you. The season's been canceled. I got this John Maxwell leadership Bible for you here. And, you know, I'd love to kind of be an accountability partner for you. And so then I had more time on my hands. So I really dove in with Mike and 
I would do devotionals. I'd, I'd write stuff out, a journal, and I would send it to Mike. And, and at that point in time in my life, I was still in a good headspace. But as a coach, it's just on to the next thing. So the season was canceled. It was, all right, we got to make sure our guys finish strong academically. And um, that was so that was in March. And then my, my grandmother passed away on April 18th. And my mom uh, said, hey, I'd like for you to speak at the funeral. And I was like, no way no shot, not doing it. I'll be too emotional. I will just fumble my words and this, I just don't want to do it. And so I talked to Mike about it. Mike helped me with some scripture and I've told our team this, but it's one of the things, the hardest moments that of my life to that point of where you really don't want to do something, but you know that your grandmother would want you to speak, you know, your mom would want you to speak and we're pulling into the graveyard um, on her funeral and my mom gave me an out. And she says, hey, you don't have to speak if you don't want to. And I said, no, nah, mom, I'm, I'm I'm ready. But Mike helped me a lot through that. And I think God puts people in your life at times. And at the moment they put them in your life, you might not understand how much they're going to help you down the road. And so he helped me through that. And then in the fall of 2020, uh, I got COVID. Nico Agnos passes away. COVID always hits me pretty, pretty strong where it just kind of derails me physically and mentally for some time. And um, Nico passes away and how tough that moment was, uh, obviously for the Agnos family, but for me, because you're talking about a father that I coached both their sons. I've known him for about eight years and, and just how awesome of a person he was and, and getting through that. And then as soon as we go to the celebration of life as a team, get back, I get COVID, um, like I said, derails me flip around, you know, you have the 21 season, we, we play well, um, and, you know, losing a super regional, there's all kinds of job speculation with me. And, you know, Mike told me, he says, Hey, Cliff, never make a decision when you're retired. And I've told him now that I heard him, but I didn't listen to him because I'm like, all right, I, I'm listening to this guy who's obviously a mentor of mine, but I just, I don't want to take his advice right now. And, if we'd have gone to Omaha, I feel pretty confidently that other school would have offered me the job and I probably would have taken it. And I'm being extremely vulnerable um, yeah. right now, but uh, I'm glad we did because I wouldn't be here. And now I know I should be here um, at East Carolina. Um, and you get to that fog at code again. <laughs> I have knee replacement surgery five weeks out. It's infected um, in the hospital for three days. bad spot mentally and <clears throat> people like Mike a man kept me going and my faith kept me going but a lot of people don't know going into last last year um that uh I guess that was a fall of 22 sorry I jumped jumped my timeline there but uh going into last year I mean I had a pick line in my arm until January 23rd um <laughs> so I had promised our team the first time I would job would be on opening day. And uh, Kevin Youngs, who was on the physical therapy, was like, man, I don't know if you're going to do that. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't have done it, but I was able to jog out left field on opening day. And um, they wanted me to take antibiotics for six months after the pick line got out. And um, the Sunday before the season started, I was taking amoxicillin one in the morning, one at night. And then, People are like, hey, you've lost weight. You've lost weight. You look good. And I'm like, 
man, it's not because I tried this. These antibiotics are just crushing my stomach and I just I don't have any energy. I barely can just get out of bed every day and, and go to work. And so that Sunday before the season started last year, I uh, prayed about it and didn't tell anybody, but I just stopped taking the amoxicillin. And so about that Wednesday before we opened up last year, I could feel like a little light flicker. And um, when you're an athlete and you're a coach and you're supposed to be so tough and you got all these things going on, man, if you don't have a foundation of faith, I, I can tell you that I don't know if I would be here right now. And um, you can take that for what it's worth. But yeah. um, it was some tough times for me. And uh, I'm so thankful that I have uh, a faith friend in Mike A. Man that is just a great person, but accountability partner. And I would just challenge everybody to surround yourself with the people that are faith-based people because they're going to help you through tough times. And, and none of us are perfect. We all fail every single day. But if you can have a strong support system, you can get through some tough times. And, you know, then you, you get through the season and, you know, you don't host a regional and you win 47 games and people are critical of you because you've had so much success here. And um, my identity had gotten caught up, Coach Connors, to be honest with you, on something I said it would never be. Uh, I never wanted to be the head baseball coach at East Carolina. I always wanted to be Cliff Godwin. I never wanted to be the, you know, best assistant coach in the country um, that as far as the way people looked at me. And um, it, it that's what happened to me. And it was God, you know, with COVID and the knee replacement infection. Like, hey, man, you can keep trying to do this on your own or it, it ain't going to work. It, you can't do this on your own. And you have thought that you've done it on your own to this point, but I'm going to bring you to your knees so that you can actually see that, there's something body and somebody in Jesus Christ that you need to put at the front of your life. If not, you're probably going to be out of coaching pretty quickly. So um, that's it in a nutshell. I don't know if that's uh, what you wanted to hear or not, but uh, that's kind of my journey up until this point. Oh, that's awesome, man. Thanks so much for sharing. And, you know, sometimes going back to that game you're referring to, you know, uh, sometimes we think things happen to us, but they happen for us. And that's what I've found in my life. And, uh, yeah, anytime you need any more support, brother, I'm, I'm right here. This old guy right here, anytime you need me, man. So I, I'm just I'm this old guy here trying to make it to heaven, man. But uh, what I, I want to mention, sports works, okay? So I want to get into that a little bit. Uh, Chuck Young, of course, back in the 90s, you know, he worked with football with us and baseball. And, uh, and so, I, as I understand it, you still got that rolling. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, so Chuck, Chuck left. Uh, uh, you want to mention a little bit? Yeah, about that? absolutely. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's a huge piece to our program. And it's been that way since the fall of 98. Um, so I was in school here and, you know, Chuck um, starts sport works. Obviously, like you said, work with football. I think he worked with track, worked with baseball. But every Monday night we would go over to the baseball team, would go over to Chuck's house. And just going back to you know, you're caught up in the wrong things. I mean, I would go over there. We would do a devotion. We'd have a meal and, you know, you do it on one night a week. And then you really didn't think about God the rest of the week. You were, you know, going to practice, lifting weights, going out, you know, chasing girls, doing things that you shouldn't do and all those good things. But I, I mess with Chuck because um, until Chuck had been hired, Coach Leclerc's first year, we were, I think, um, 30 and 29 or something. So one game above 500. 
and then Chuck gets hired in the uh, the fall of 98. And then 99 was the uh, first number one seed ECU baseball I'd ever had. Uh, we couldn't host a regional here on campus because it was Harrington Field and uh, metal bleachers, as you remember, Coach Connors. But yeah. then in 2000, we were number one seed again in a regional. And then 01, we finally hosted in Wilson, which was my senior year, and um, hosted the Super Regional in Kinston. But Chuck was with us up until, and I think it was the, the summer of 2020, and he felt like God had put on his heart that he needed to go in a different direction. So he became a pastor out in Sublet, Kansas, out in the middle of nowhere. And I just talked to Chuck, and I said, hey, man, I, I don't want sport works to, to go away from baseball. So can we still use the name? And we'll, when I say we take it in-house, we want to keep it going. We're going to have to go find some people in the community. And Mike A. Man was – a huge uh, support of that and some of the old um, board members, founders that didn't want it to go. And we have uh, two team chaplains now, uh, Webb Tyndall um, and Jamin Shelby. Um, they come in every Monday night with our guys that want to be a part of it and um, do a devotion here in our team meeting room and, and we feed them. And then on Sundays when we play at home, we have an opportunity for the guys before team meal where Jamin and Webb will come in and do a devotion with our guys on Sunday morning. So um, that's something that happens throughout the year. Um, and it's a huge piece. And then Carter Cunningham has taken it amongst uh, amongst himself to he's actually created or got going an FCA with uh, athletes here on campus. Um, and he started that two years ago. And then to, to go on top of that, he came to me in the fall and he's like, Coach, can we have a, a team Bible study? I said, Carter, you guys can do whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. So he has a team Bible study um, along with Charlie Hodges, kind of helps him out with the FCA and the Bible study. So they do that um, once a week just with our team, the guys that want to do it. Um, it's not required. Um, as I tell people, we don't push faith on them. I just tell people about my faith. And if that's something that they want to learn about or, um, to be a part of, then they can. Um, sport work set up where um, some of our guys could get baptized on the Saturday we had our banquet because a lot of families were in town. Um, it wasn't Coach Godwin um, going, hey, man, uh, you guys need to get baptized. I actually got baptized, and, and none of our players except Carter Cunningham knew that I was going to do it. I'd actually – talked to Blake Hardigree, our director of baseball operations, who's a huge asset for sport works. He's kind of the, the go between, you know, organizing with them and with our schedule to make that work. And we're going to open door church. And I said, hey, Blake, I, I want to get baptized, but I just don't want to make it a spectacle, you know, at a, at a church with a lot of people. And hey, Coach Godwin's doing it. I wanted it to be about, you know, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I just tapped him on the leg one day in church and I said, hey, I think I'll just get baptized on the field with our guys that are doing it. Um, but I don't want our guys to feel like, hey, they have to do it because I'm doing it. So I don't want anybody to know. So Carter was Carter Cunningham was the only player that knew. But it was so awesome. I mean, you saw families and there that, you know, the kids are giving their life to Jesus Christ. And I had been baptized, uh, like I said earlier, but I just really wanted to renew my faith um and make it public that you know that's the number one thing in my life yeah i love that man it's a wake-up call to greenville it's a wake-up call to the world so thank you so much for that and i you know i definitely wanted to recognize that you know when chuck was uh and I, of course i went to chuck's house a few times and and listened to him speak many times to the teams but uh 
Chuck was more about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But uh, I've kind of added something to that a little bit, I think, uh, on, on my little mission here. I'm not really selling kumbaya. You know, uh, I'm kind of selling the toughness and grit of Jesus Christ. And uh, I want athletes to know about that. I want them to know about the love and compassion, but I want them to know how tough Jesus Christ was. And that's why I started a tradition here on Easter where I I get on my feet and I stand up and I don't move. And I watch the passion of the Christ from the beginning to the end. And uh, I'm kind of starting something now where I might call it stand for something. I don't know. But uh, by the time I get to the end of that, through a lot of tears, I come to the realization of that's the toughest human being that ever walked the earth. And uh, if he could sustain that type of suffering for me, I can do anything, you know, I mean, I can do anything. So uh, <clears throat> that's something that's been important to me. And I started a website called uh, armoredlife.org, but I, I like to talk about putting on the armor of God every day. Because I don't care what you say. I don't care what anybody says. It's a spiritual battle every time you wake up out of bed. You're going to be hit with temptation. You're going to be hit with a lot of things. And, you know, uh, collegiate athletes, just like you said, we're talking about alcohol. We're talking about the club. We're talking about marijuana. We're talking about women. We're talking about temptations every day of the week. And uh, you got you got to learn to make good decisions. But where, where the armor of God is concerned, that offensive weapon is the sword and the sword is the word. So you got to get in that word every day. And uh, there's nothing soft about this. Um, you know, so that, that's been my approach in relationship to the people that I'm going to talk to and uh, what we want to say about this with regard to uh, the influence that we have on athletes. <clears throat> and I want to go back to the 1990s just briefly here. You know, I came in in 91. We had that 5,000 square foot weight room for 450 athletes. Uh, you know, I had one full-time assistant finally and two GAs and uh, my GAs made 350 a month. You know, my man, Jim Bob, who I assigned the football, or I'm sorry, the baseball uh, who helped me there. And of course I oversaw everything, but, uh, and, and I really enjoyed working with you guys when you came in in 97, I think it was uh, because of the group you had, I remember uh, some guys there, of course, Eric Backich, uh Was it Nick Schnabel? Was that the Schnabel. name? Schnabel. Schnabel. Yeah. Okay, remember him. Uh, Chad Tracy, uh, Corey Scott, who I might have seen recently somewhere. Uh, those guys. But uh, the thing with Backage is that doesn't surprise me what, you know, what he's accomplished because he lived in a weight room. But I, some of that was he was chasing the softball catcher around, I think. <laughs> but uh, – I love that kid. You know, he was in there every day uh, a lot. And, uh, of course, I saw you a lot, too. You know, you uh, you haven't changed much over the years. You look 30 then. Now you still look 30 now. So, you know, <laughs> I like that. Well, I appreciate it. Well, we but, had some uh, – yeah, we had some uh, – we had some good guys that love to work out. And, and look, uh, we appreciate you assigning Jim Bob Faircloth to us because I can tell you anytime we get together – we have Jim Bob Faircloth stories, and and I know this is a a, a faith based show, but I, I just want to tell one story about Jim Bob Faircloth because I've never seen another strength coach do it. But we always ran one tens on Friday afternoon, and for some yeah. reason, 
on the, you know, the practice soccer field that was also used for tailgating. So, you know, there were chicken bones and stuff out there, but we still ran. Uh, But he showed up a couple minutes late for some reason. He never said why he was late. He just walked up and he said, Hey, CG, take this whistle. I got 50 up downs for being late. And he had, those jean shorts on that you know, that <laughs> like a, a like a, a a sleeveless a tank. But when you know Jim Ball, when he wore a sleeve, I mean that thing was cut down to his waist. You know where you, you basically he didn't have a shirt on because um, he was jacked. And he's out there in the gravelness of that practice soccer field doing up now. And I'm hitting that whistle, and you know I'm getting a lot of enjoyment out of it because hey, he pushed us real hard, in which we appreciate. I mean, one of the reasons we were so good is because how tough we were. And man, he got done with those 50 up-downs. Coach Connors, he's bleeding on his elbows, his knees, and <laughs> he's like, all right, boys, let's go. We got 110s. And, uh, man, I just uh, I thought that was the coolest thing ever, that your strength coach shows up a couple minutes late. It's like, hey, man, I got 50 up-downs for being late. Yes, sir. Uh yeah, one time going back to Bucknell, I did 100 up-downs with the wrestling team. That was the worst decision I ever made in my life. So, uh, But I I made it through, but I don't know how. But uh, they're still laughing about that one. But, uh, but yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, training uh, just real quick. Uh, now we have the world of specialization, individualization. Uh, you know, when I had those 450 athletes back in the day, you know, the thing about it was, I, I don't know how many, you know, we I think we beat 26 uh, now Power 5 teams, in, you know, with football. We won 26 of those games that we played out of about whatever it was, 40-some. And, uh, you know, I was really proud of the baseball team and what they accomplished through that era as well. And uh, I thought we got a lot done with, uh, with what we had to work with, of course, uh, it's a little bit different now where you got strength coaches assigned to each team and you've got uh, – yeah, I'm really glad to see that you've got a facility now and that makes a big difference. Uh, but, you know, uh, I kind of – you know, looking at things uh, with baseball, I think the, the rotational work, the prehab to the shoulder and upper back, uh, making sure we don't have indiscriminate hypertrophy now when you're training guys, making sure they're not getting too big in the, in the muscle groups where you don't want them big. So they, you know, they end up losing uh, mobility. You want to maintain mobility. And then we got the VBT that I've used, uh, you know, even when, even when I was in Carolina back using velocity based training uh, where you're measuring bar speed or measuring wattage produced uh, that type of thing. You got reflexive performance reset. Now that people are into, you got GPS, uh, you know, a lot of technology, sleep monitoring. So, you know, of course, it's come a long way. And, uh, you know, you might want to mention that. But at the same time, my only concern there has been, are we still strong? So you don't want to, you know, you don't want to leave that out. And uh, you want to be strong in your primary muscle groups. But uh, I'm familiar with your guy. I think he was uh, an intern with us when I was there. And I hear that he's doing a great job for you. Yeah, Coach Wilson, Dennis Wilson's doing a great job for us. Uh, yeah, his story is pretty funny that he kept aggravating you so much to be a GA. You finally said uncle at some <laughs> point in time and just like, hey, man, like, yes, yeah, I'm just, you're going to sweep the floor or something, but like, hey, just stop coming to my office every day, <laughs> which, hey, I appreciate his uh, persistence because he's turned into be, you know, an unbelievable strength coach. But just with the training stuff, I mean, one thing that we've changed over the past couple of years is, 
you know, when all of our guys come in, um, especially as freshmen and new guys, we assess them, you know, their range of motion and their hips, their their shoulders, all the different movements. Uh, Kevin Youngs helps us out with that. But to assess so if we can see if there's any deficiencies to start off with, which helps Coach Wilson write the plans. But um, the new weight room facility, which we used, uh, we used the most of the time now, we still use the Murphy Center some, but um, it's got all the velocity-based training stuff like you were talking about. I mean, every uh, squat rack has an iPad where – you know, Coach Wilson puts in, you know, the percentages that they need to move at this, right. you know, bar speed. So that is obviously uh, very useful because you're measuring what they're doing. It becomes a competition at times, um, but they're still staying strong. And then yeah. we, of course, do a lot of mobility stuff, especially with pitchers, but also position players. Um, I, I would say the hips are probably the thing that we probably neglected back when I was playing, you know, just because we didn't know as much stuff and didn't um, understand it enough. Um, but now I think that's a huge component um, to, to making sure the hips are moving in there. Cause in baseball, you have so many backs, you know, where yeah. stuff, but a lot of it just stems from their hips, not working the right way. So we do a lot of that stuff. Our pitchers, we have a pitching indoor where, I mean, they spend 30 to 45 minutes every day in there of, getting their bodies ready to throw between hurdles, mobility, uh, soft tissue work, uh, of course, arm care stuff. Um, but to go back to your point about staying strong, I think there's a, you know, also a piece. I mean, we still run 300s in the fall because there's a part of mental toughness that still has to happen. I mean, look, yeah. we can, you know, physically have a perfect body and explosive and all that stuff, but, a 300 makes you make a decision at some point. Like you got to make a decision. Hey, I'm going to push through this. Um, if not, then you quit. Well, we yeah. don't want guys to quit on the field. We don't want them to quit in life. I mean, that, that was the thing I thought Coach LeClaire did the best job of was taking a group of guys that at that time were not the most talented. And we really believed we were the hardest working team in the country. So when we stepped foot on that field, we felt like we were better than the other team just because what we had been through. Now, we can't do the things Coach LeClaire did to us now because we'd be fired. I mean, the first obstacle course we had at East Carolina in the fall of 98 had real barbed wire in it. People are like, real barbed I'm like, yeah, yeah. let practice soccer field where, hey, there was some mud holes. They dug it out. There was real barbed wire. So when you came through there, if you went up too high, you just got cut. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the way it was. So obviously we'd be thrown in jail today if we, we did something like that. But uh, I think it's yeah. – uh, a balance between obviously the science of lifting, but you still got to mix in some mental toughness because as you know, baseball's hard, football's hard, basketball's hard, every sport's hard, but life's hard too. So um, when you push yourself to a limit that you maybe didn't think you could go to, man, when you get done with that, yeah, you're exhausted, you're tired, but you go, man, that's a hell of an accomplishment of whatever that feat yeah. might be. So we, we still believe in that. Oh, yeah. When I brought out the barbed wire at Carolina, the trainers wanted to fire me, but you know, they had to wait a few more years for me to leave. So, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't like that barbed wire. Of course, the 300s were always my baby. So, uh, you know, all the football players talk about that a lot when I get them back on. But uh, I wanted to mention the coaches that I worked with in the 90s, you know, Gary Overton, of course, uh, Steve Logan, you know, had Bill Carson with the track team. Uh, Joe Dooley was there. Uh, of course, Coach LeClaire came in and, and Rosie Thompson. And I don't know if all 
you know, most of those people were in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, we we didn't have the greatest facility in the world. And I had to teach uh, three phys ed classes every morning as well. You know, as part of my salary, uh, you know, that 35 grand I was getting back in. But uh, but man, what a what a list of coaches we had during that time period that, you know, that you were a player there. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned a, a, a slew of Hall of Famers that you got a chance yeah. to work with. And um, I know you keep going back to that small facility, but we made it work and, and we're pirates. That That's the thing. I mean, a lot of people look at, you know, what we have here now for our baseball program specifically, and especially um, some sports teams at East Carolina. Like, oh, man, they, they got it all. Well, when I first got here, we didn't have the hitting indoor. We didn't have the pitching indoor. We didn't have the video board. Um, and I'm a believer in, you know, and we tell our players, you get what you earn. Um, and we've succeeded at a high level off the field academically, where we've had a 3.4 team GPA or higher for uh, six and a half straight years. When, when I was hired, um, ECU baseball on record, which is kind of embarrassing for me to say, never had had a 3.0 team GPA. Um, so we had to change that part of the culture. And then, of course, you throw the winning on it on the field. And I, I just think it translates. I mean, when you have an elite mindset and you're trying to be the best version of yourself academically on the field, in the weight room, in the community, well, then, man, I'm, I'm really being elite at everything I'm doing. You can't just pick and choose, well, hey, I love playing baseball, so when I'm at practice, I'm going to be elite, but I hate the weight room, so I'm not going to be really elite at that. You just can't flip that switch on and off, in my opinion. I think it's got to be something that – you're pushing yourself with all the time. Right. Well, I want to kind of revisit the, uh, uh, for a moment, the challenges that we talk about as coaches, uh, and in my opinion, educating real consequence for bad choices, you know, and I did mention marijuana. I saw probably at least a hundred guys in, with football go by the wayside for repeatedly smoking marijuana and, uh, you know, trouble in the club, for instance, uh, Two guys that I coached got murdered. Uh, one at Carolina, uh, Dominique Lennon, so, you know, not, to, not that uh, not that uh, far out of his graduation in, in Raleigh. Uh, and so, um, you know, what's your strategy there? Uh, does a stronger presence of spirituality uh, within a team impact personal choice? Well, I think it definitely does. I mean, Carter Cunningham has, you know, talked to me and I don't want to be too uh, open about his personal journey. But, you know, he's just mentioned to me that you can't be the guy that's going out with uh, your teammates all the time and, you know, being intoxicated if you're going to be the FCA leader and how that yeah. was put on his heart back in the fall. Um, and, you know, one of my best friends challenged me just last week Um you know, Garrett Blackwater, who you trained when he played basketball here. Um, yeah. We were talking about something else, hung up the phone, and he texted me and said, hey, uh, can I call you back? I said, yeah. And this is a few years ago, but, you know, I, I put devotions out on most mornings on social media. That's one thing I use social media for uh, because there are some good things on social media, but there are also some bad things. And he said, you remember, you know, two, three years ago when you called me and said somebody was being really critical of you about your language and how you put devotions out um, every morning. And he goes, I laughed about it, which Garrett said he laughed about it and just said, hey, man, like, don't worry about that guy, dude. Just keep doing you. And so uh, he called me up last week and he said, uh, hey, uh, I want to make sure that 
I revisit that conversation because I know we both remember it. He goes, but I, I do challenge you to work on your language. And, and it is something that I have worked on. Am I perfect at it? Absolutely not. Um, but if you go in the Bible, I'm not trying to defend myself. I mean, it, Jesus, God took broken people. I mean, every person that is in the Bible is someone that has been broken. I mean, you look at Saul turning into Paul. I mean, Saul was persecuting Christians. I mean, he was sitting there watching Stephen get stoned. And then, you know, it took God blinding him um, there and just a total transformation. But God takes people that are broken um, as the, the, the part of the Bible that says, you know, um, people that are not sick don't need Jesus. Jesus needs to be with the sick, whether it's a tax collector or, you know, somebody that is, you know, just doing a lot of wrong things. So, um, I'm broken. I know I'm not perfect. I'm working on myself all the time to try to continue to grow my faith for sure. Yeah. And I really think that it helps with resiliency with the team as well. You know, we face a lot of challenges and of course in baseball, you play a whole lot of games during the course of a season and, uh, there's a lot of ups and downs and you got to have resiliency. No question about that. I think that spiritual strength helps with that as well. And I'll just throw that in there. Coach, I'm going to go to Matthew seven. Uh, basically talking about the wise man who built his house on, on rock and not sand. So what has evolved to be the non-negotiable components of your foundation? Well, I think getting into the word as much as possible, surrounding your, yourself with people that are people of faith, just to continue to challenge you. We have a um, actually a staff Bible study. Um, Heath Blackman, who is our director of player development, he uh, was a former high school coach at Hickory Grove Christian, taught religion, so he's a great resource. And we have entire staff and three managers Monday mornings at 8:45 we have a uh, staff Bible study so that's continued to help us throughout even when we're not able to go to church on Sundays because we have games and of course sport works and um, the other thing is just you know not chasing the worldly things I mean it talks about that in the Bible a lot greed and jealousy how that derails so many people so um, you know, the world says you should chase the next best job, the more money job, all that stuff. But, you know, I just want to use God and my prayer time to uh, make sure I'm making the decisions he wants me to make and not the decisions the world says I should make. Gotcha. Uh, what are some of the new concerns with the addition of the portal on NIL uh, with how you, I guess you could say, set your foundation with your players? Coach Connors, I, I'm, I'm going to say things that you don't hear from many coaches or administrators, and that's not a knock against them. But, you know, at East Carolina, I mean, yes, some of our guys are getting NIL money, but they're not going to get as much NIL money here as they could at, you know, an SEC program. Um, right. There are some of those teams are, you know, giving $100,000, $150,000 north to $200,000 to some of those, you know, frontline guys. But, you know, a guy like Trey Savage, he was on Team USA this past summer. I know what goes on in those uh, uh, meal times because I was on the USA staff in 2022. And, you know, players are talking like, hey, are you in the portal yet? Or, you know, are you going to go in the portal? Which makes me cringe because, you know, you, you want to leave a legacy somewhere. And I go back to when I said that ground ball didn't go up the middle at Texas Tech. And, yeah, I would have fell on the same kind of 
things that they're following on probably without being educated and really diving into the relationship piece. But we really work hard at the relationship piece of, yeah. hey, want to help you not only become a great baseball player, but become a better man. And if your relationships are really, really good, not that you're going to keep everybody, but Trey Savage could have went into the portal and got a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm pretty confident. And he never once thought about it. Um, he is getting some NIL money, but he's not getting anywhere close to that um, because he believes in this place. He believes in the coaches. He believes in his teammates. Um, and he's going to be a high draft pick and he's going to make money. So, um, and he's going to be able to bring his kids back to a place one day and say, Hey, like I helped build this place. And that's the thing that I tell our guys all the time. I'm like, Hey, if you go to two or three different schools, where are you taking your family? Like where, where, where are you guys going back to 20 years from now? Where are you going? And just try to help them understand like leaving a legacy and being a part of something is much bigger than any kind of dollar figure. Yeah, I mean, I, I just remember when we went to Mobile, Alabama Bowl, one of our linebackers, because uh, for some reason our guys didn't get their warm-ups to travel in, which was bad in itself. But uh, I, he didn't have any dress pants, so I, I bought him a pair of dress pants for the, the trip. So, I mean, you know, back then you had to worry about buying somebody a hamburger. And I had to, I, I was like freaked out a little bit because I bought this kid some dress pants. I was hoping nobody found out about it. But, you know, things have certainly changed. They certainly have, for sure. I mean, the things that uh, we worried about back then is, you know, it's it's it is pay for play. I mean, I know it wasn't designed for that, but it's pay for play. It's, uh, you know, a lot of shady stuff goes on behind the scenes, which, you know, travel coaches or um an agent or a booster reach out to kids that are not even in the portal. So, um, and, and not all of them, but there are definitely people out there that do that and try to entice kids, which when you're 18 to 22 years old, that's tough to navigate. I don't envy the world that our youth is in right now. I tell our guys, I'm glad I grew up in the era that I did. Um, but it's tough for 18 to 22 year olds to, to see, like, I mean, they're being offered cash money in front of them or they can stay at a place and, um, develop even more, you know, mentally and physically, or they can, you know, jump ship and make a little extra cash. Yeah. Well, coach, just a few more things and I'll let you go, but I, I wanted to mention some scripture here and, uh, I'll just mention my pastor, uh, pastor Gene Williams at Parker's chapel. Uh, wow. What an influence he's been on my life. Uh, I just love the guy. And, uh, you know, in one of his classes, uh, not too long ago, we were talking about, uh, you know, we're as coaches, we're always looking to inspire people. But with regard to inspiration, uh, inspiration is God speaking into someone's life through someone. And uh, that's what we try to do, of course. And I just wanted to kind of reiterate that a little bit from Second uh, Timothy uh, 3, 16 uh, and 17 with that scripture. When we talk about it, when we talk about it being profitable for for those four things that I think are very applicable to athletics. And the first one is doctrine, which we're teaching uh, the truths. Uh, the second one would be reproof, you know, that being conviction, uh, Hebrews 11, one. And then we're talking about correction, you know, which is, which is what I always did. I was always the correction guy, you know, with athletes uh, putting things in order 
And then, of course, instruction where you're nurturing that new information, uh, where people are making changes and making better choices. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to mention that scripture right there, because if I was still coaching somewhere, I'd probably have that on my wall somewhere. But I just wanted to mention that to you and maybe get your uh, your take there. No, I think that's great stuff. I mean, as you said, the inspiration part, you know, um, one, one kind of story, and this might take me off subject a little bit, but I think it's really important. But in the summer of 22, when, when Parker Bird had that accident, I, I carried a lot of weight of that accident. Um, actually, the guy that uh, the young man that was driving the boat, I had done all my homework, but I, uh, you know, took him on the team kind of last minute because of he wanted to walk on and, you know, but I did it just like I would have done it any other time. And he just happened to be the the young man behind the boat. And uh, when Jeff Bird called me on vacation that summer, and I had really struggled with even going on vacation because Parker's accident was about 10 days before. And I always go right before school starts, a week vacation to the beach, the Lafferty's from Ole Miss. I'm the godfather of, of his children. Um, they always meet me here in North Carolina and we go down there. And I really struggled with even going down there, but actually the day that Parker found out that he was going to have his leg amputated, um, Jeff called me, his dad, and I'd been in constant communication with him. And he told me that, and I just broke down and I just told everybody I had to, you know, get on my paddleboard and just go to a little quiet spot. And I just cried and the devil will make you feel like you, you made bad decisions at times. And, and they really, that I struggled with that. And that was another piece when I was going through a lot of tough times that was going on. But then you fast forward to what happened last Friday night and Parker, you know, being able to get in at bat in a, a collegiate baseball game and, right. you know, two years of even having a prosthetic. I mean, less than two years of having his leg amputated. And I can't tell you that the amount of emails, text messages, um, just media requests from, you know, he's on SportsCenter on Monday night. Yeah. And just the inspiration he has given to so many people that have had something like that happen or something totally different. And you talk about a guy that's in our program that's just inspired so many just from what he's had to go through. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about a platform now. Uh, you know, I I love it when Mark Wahlberg comes on TV now and talks about, uh, hey, let's pray. Uh, we got Hallow, Hallow.com or whatever it is. He's on there with the guy that played Jesus. or I mean, yeah. like, I, Hey, I want Mark Wahlberg on, on my podcast, man. I, and I'm going to work to get that done. But I, I really think you get the same kind of platform right now with what's going on. I think it's it's a wonderful thing, you know. So, uh, man, awesome. I get I get chills thinking about it. But uh, hey, you know, I had just one question about, uh, I, you know, the game kid that hit into the double play. Was he the same one that got back up and hit a double last night? Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. I mean, I got so fired up. I was like, yeah, man, this kid. This kid, he made a comeback. You know, he was he was determined, and uh, and you know, and and that was a great thing. You know, I, I just uh, I really loved that when he hit that double after that. So uh, I, I just wanted to kind of reference that. A little bit. Appreciate it, look, Coach. Uh, it's it's no uh, no secret we got beat last night, and uh, I was thinking about you know probably five years ago I probably would have texted you and said, Hey, uh, Coach, I need to reschedule because I yep. got some more important to do and, and try to get our team better. And, uh, 
I, I just had never even crossed my mind this morning other than the fact just get on there and, and do this because this is way more important and this is going to hopefully help at least one person. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I just got one more thing here. Matthew 7, uh, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And, you know, brother, it's a narrow gate to Omaha. But, uh, you know, you, you're going to get there. It's going to happen this year. I'm going to be there. I'm just letting you know. Uh, so, uh you know, get ready for that narrow gate. Keep working. And uh, I love what you're doing. I love you. And uh, keep rolling, brother. And, uh, you know, I just feel privileged to be able to able to talk to you today. Well, Coach Connors, I appreciate everything you've done for me and having me on today. And I know we're going to get there. And, hey, God's timing, not ours. Uh, we always want it to happen quicker. If you'd have told me 10 years ago that we would not have been uh, to the College World Series yet, I would have lost everything I own. And a lot of that had to do with ego and not, hey, it's God's timing. God's going to get us – well, we're going to work hard, which his strength is going to allow us to work hard, but we're going to get there. And uh, I feel good about this year. It's the closest knit group we've ever had. And, yeah, we got beat last night, but it's a long season. So we'll get to practice today, get better, and uh, be ready for Friday night. Yes, sir. Hey, and I'm going to keep working on my language because I'm trying to learn how to golf. So. Uh... I, I get challenged every single day, brother. So uh, <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, uh, I'd say good luck, but it ain't about luck. It's about hard work. So put it in and get ready for that next game. And uh, I'm going to make it to some games this year. And thank you so much. And I'm going to go ahead and sign off. So this is Jeff Connors for Absolute Empowerment. Uh, signing off. God bless. And we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Okay. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!